Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jacqueline Thornhill, and I am honored to serve as the 97th president. Our club focuses on youth, children's literacy, and we support our active duty military and veterans. We meet on Thursdays at Lowry's at noon. For more information, please visit LasVegasRotary.com or follow us on Facebook at Las Vegas Rotary Club founded 1923, where you can watch a live stream of our weekly meetings. Please enjoy this week's speaker. I met uh, Donna Mabry about six months ago, and uh, when I met her, she handed me a brochure, and I think you all have copies on the table, and it's most impressive. I mean, I count uh, 23 books, and then I read in the wheel that uh, she's now on 25 books. Now, not only is the book about her grandmother, Maud, the best-selling nonfiction in history as far as Amazon's concerned, it's, but also many of her books are about Las Vegas. And I just want to tell you, I'm now just finished reading called Vegas Tycoon. It's about Las Vegas. And uh, it's really fun to read about all the streets that we know and the Sunrise Hospital and things that are happening at the Pepper Mill. And so I highly recommend it to you. Now, when you read Maud, you'll learn that Donna was born in Detroit. And then when she got married, married a military man who joined the army and then she moved to Kansas for three years and then moved back to Detroit in 1977 and then on to Florida. But she has a daughter living here, so she and her husband would come here from time to time. And uh, finally, in 2010, Donna made Las Vegas her permanent home and uh, with her husband to join the daughter, and then he died shortly afterwards. So Donna has been uh, married 49 years and uh, a widow for, for nine years. So I guess that makes her 58 years old and a little older. <laughs> now, since I like to think of myself as a gentleman, I never asked Donna her age. It's not like the uh, young grandson who said, Grandma, how old are you? And she said, young man, a gentleman never asks a woman her age. And he says, I know how old you are. I saw your driver's license. You're 58 years old. You have blue eyes, gray hair, and you got an F in sex. <laughs> so I asked Donna, I asked Donna what she'd like me to say about her. All she said is, Tell them that when I was five, five, four years old, I got a little red, it was a red Singer sewing machine that you had to turn by wheels, by hand, and she says, and I'll take it from there. So please, and by the way, uh, at the end of the session, I prevailed upon Donna, she'll be meeting in the library or in the bar, if any of you would like to buy her book, Maud. She brought Maud here, and she'd be happy to personalize it for you. I can tell you it's a great book. It's not just for women. It's a, a book for all of us. So please welcome my friend Donna Mabry, who's definitely older than 58. <laughs> and after reading The Vegas Ty Tycoon, I can guarantee you she didn't get an F in sex.
Thank you, Jerry. My mother used to say, there's no use in lying about your age because somebody knows the truth. So I turned 77 in September. I wrote my first book when I was 60. I studied writing in school, and then I got married. And you know, back then, you were married. And that was pretty much what you did. But that little Red Singer sewing machine um, kind of determined the course of my life. I loved to sew. I learned from an aunt, and I had um, opportunity to try different things. And then when the children came, I made their clothes and my clothes. And my daughter grew up to be an actor. Now that's good news and bad news. <laughs> the good news is she was very good at it, and she worked steadily for 15 years. But when she settled down in Las Vegas, she hired, she became director of entertainment for Harris, and they hired me to come out and make costumes. And that's how I wrote my first book at 60, and now I just finished my 27th book. I've got all these people living in my head, <laughs> and they want out, so I've already started two more. All of those books but one are fiction, and oddly enough, the one that I thought Nobody but my family will read this, and they're all going to be mad at me. Became an international bestseller, and you can get Maud here today, or you can get it in audio, you can get it in um, ebook, or you can get it in German, or you can get it in Russian. I hope to someday see a picture of Putin with his shirt off on a horse with my book in his hand. <laughs> or anybody here Italian? Okay, you're going to understand this cover. This is the Italian version. <laughs> I can guarantee you that doesn't look like my grandmother. And I'd like you all to know her better, so we have a clip from the movie we hope to make soon. I was once told the best stories are true. So many of our lives start with a strong woman who was always there for us. For me, that person was my grandmother. When I was a child, she would read me to sleep each night, not out of books, but with the spoken stories of her life. She told me about her marriage to my grandfather, George, and how it lacked the true love of her first husband, James, a baseball player. I went back home to Detroit to tell her story. It begins here, Maud.
I hated this trip. I hated the depression. I hated George for letting this happen. I hated the Detroit I hadn't even seen yet. And now, I hated my hair. Maud. Maud. It's the transmission. We're gonna have to walk the rest of the way to Detroit. to eventually expand that into a full-length movie or a three-night miniseries. The young lady um, is Shana Gannon. I'm quite proud of her. She wrote the uh, trailer 
She directed it, she acted in it, and she produced it. So she's quite accomplished. Her short film, Secret, has been making the film festival tour for the last year and won 36 awards, among them Best Short Film, Best Actor, Best uh, Cinematography, and other stuff. <laughs> so Maud is the only nonfiction book I ever wrote. And I did write it, thinking nobody but the family would read it. And shortly after it came out, a friend called me from Atlanta. And she said, Donna, you're in the newspaper. And I said, what did I do? <laughs> she said, no, you're on the bestseller list. And I said, oh, come on, Kathy, don't tease me like that. And she said, no, I'm telling you the truth. The Wall Street Journal has you on the bestseller list. So I went and looked it up, and by golly, there was my name. It was on the bottom, but it was there. And um, as the weeks passed, it went up and up. That was on the e-books, and they have a separate column for paper books. And then it appeared on both of those and went up to, oh, it didn't reach number one, although I did beat out George Bush and Bill O'Reilly one week. <laughs> so I was, I was really, I said, I've made it. I've beat out the president. Most of my books are uh, mysteries that take place in Las Vegas, although I do have uh, some standalones. I wrote A Deadly Ambition about a presidential assassination. Hope to make a movie of that one day. And The Right Society was my only other book that made number one, and that's the story of an uh, evangelical preacher who opens a small town in Georgia just for born-again Christians. And there actually is a place like that, only they're nice people. And he believes he is absolutely right to do whatever he has to do to get what he wants, even if it involves murder. So, um, a lot of people ask me, how do I write a book? Well, some of you already are working on that. And I truly believe that everybody has a story. It might not be their story, it might be their grandmother's story. And I think those are so important, even if you think nobody but the family is going to be interested because you never know. I'm living proof of that. Um, that little red sewing machine that changed my life was one of this, a series of things. My daughter being an actor, her hiring me to make costumes, and if you read in, in the, uh, the little magazine, I was working in the girls' dressing room and listening to them talk about a man who owned a casino. There's not a lot of that in Vegas these days. And I thought somebody could write about a book about this, and then I did. And that set me off and running. Um, so when it comes time, don't th think you can't. Because I told a friend, a, a police officer friend of mine, he had, he'd come to parties and he would tell us these great stories. And I said, Michael, you need to write a book. And he said, oh, I could never do that. So the advice I gave him is the same advice I would give anybody who's wanting to write their story or a, a family member's story, don't try to write a book. You'll, 
you'll get discouraged and you'll give up and you'll say, I can't do that. Sit down and look at your computer as if you were looking at me. And don't think about going in chronological order because later on you'll remember things and you'll have to go back and stick it in the place where it belongs. But look at the computer as if you were looking at me and tell me your story the way you would if we were sitting chatting like friends. It'll be more honest. It'll be more touching. Um, it'll be more dynamic because you're looking at your computer as if, or your Ernest Hemingway wrote on a legal pad, standing up, bless his heart, he had better knees. Um, it'll be better that way to just keep it simple and real and honest. So how many of you have thought about writing a book? Look at that. I bet you all could go home and get started right now. And next year? Well, it takes a while. I'll tell you about Amazon. Amazon has changed the publishing world. I did the, with my first book, I did the look for an agent thing that didn't work out, but I did find a publisher who uh, specialized in new writers, and they published my book, and I immediately lost control. They designed the cover. They uh, printed the version that wasn't corrected instead of the edited version, so it took me a while to get that fixed. And for eight years, they owned it. If I had sold movie rights, even if they had nothing to do with it, they would have received more money per, than, per deal than I would have. So since then, I've been publishing my own, and most of them with Amazon who are just... They're fantastic. I can't tell you how good they are. And if you can format, and if you have someone in the family, like I gave birth to my cover designer, um, it doesn't cost anything to publish on Amazon. Even, you know, they used to call that vanity press. Not anymore. Even Stephen King is now publishing some of his own work. So, like the first book, all of my fiction starts out with a person. Like, Jerry doesn't know it yet, but sooner or later, he's going to be in a book. Now, the question is, is he going to be the killer? <laughs> or is he going to be the victim? Diane, what do you think? <laughs> He'll be the killer. Well, where does that leave you? Aha! <laughs> um, I, I like to start with a real person, because if I'm talking about Arlene, I can give that character her voice so she doesn't sound, so that person doesn't sound just like everybody else in the book. So I might use Jerry's voice and Eileen's voice and Diane's voice and Jackie's voice so my characters are all different. So if you're thinking about writing fiction, that's the way you want to go. You want to keep each character an individual. And any other advice I would give you would be don't have too many characters. Do you ever read a book where you get halfway through and then somebody's in there and you're thinking, who's that? Where did he come from? So especially when you're new to it, you keep it simple. Um, my daughter will no longer tell me any details of her personal life. <laughs> Actually, she's in uh, most of my contemporary books. She's Alexandra Merritt in the first six books. And then um, the one I just finished, I go back to her as a young woman. She becomes a 
present-day student at UNLV, and her name is Scarlett Mays. And then in The Vegas Tycoon, I used her real name and made her the director of marketing, which is what she is. She said, nothing is safe with me. I'll tell it all. You know, when you read my grandmother's book, if you read it, she would be so embarrassed. <laughs> she was a very modest and self-effacing woman. But I thought when I started to write it, what I need to do is tell the truth and tell it all. The reason I was worried about my family not liking is I have three sisters. And among the four of us, we have three fathers. My mother married five times. So it came out, and the sisters read it. And my, sister and my mother doesn't come off well, but my sister Nancy said, that's the way she was. Oh, and by the way, Shana, the young lady who's going to... Uh, already has her screenplay written and hopefully will play the part of the older Maud. The book starts when she's eight. And then she's 14. That's the day she got married. And that starts in Tennessee until she gets married and then things happen and then she he dies and she, he's hit in the head with a baseball, I might as well tell you. And she goes a long time as a single mother. And then she meets my grandfather and marries him, and he takes her to Missouri, where she has a much larger family, and all kinds of dramatic things happen to her. And it's all true. One of the, uh, one of the stories I tell in the book, I had a friend go downtown Detroit to the library and look up the Detroit News article that covered the event. And I printed that in the back of the book because I didn't think readers would believe it. It was that startling a story. So if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. I'm good at that. And if you ask me something that makes me emotional, don't be surprised if I cry. I'm very, you know those, you know those TV things they used to run where the soldiers are coming home to their dogs? I'm crying. Yeah, that gets me every time. Okay, no questions from anyone. Jerry. Microphone, here she comes. Well, I know in uh, the Vegas Tycoon, you bring in Wes Winters, who is a mm -hmm. well-known celebrity, Clint Holmes, and uh, Lee's Liquor Stores. But uh, when you say you tell the truth, uh, do you work with an attorney before it's published to be sure you're not I, liable? I do not, because if all you say is good stuff, they can't sue you. In order to sue somebody for libel, you have to prove that they said something untrue about you that somehow damaged you. So I'm safe there because, of course, Wes and Clint are friends of mine, so I would never say anything bad about them. And other talents, I mentioned um, Genevieve Du and uh, Sky DeMiles and several others that work here in town because they're all great, talented people. And I like to, when I read a book, I like to see a street name I recognize or or a restaurant where I've been. I think I put Laurie's in um, the book I just finished that's not out yet. It's called Drama Can Be Deadly. Because if you want to go to the best, this is where you go. Yes? I read a lot of Daniel Silva, and he has a character, Gabriel Alon, who's an Israeli spy. 
The thing I like about his writing is it, I can imagine I can actually be standing on that street corner in Paris and see exactly what he's seeing because his, his research is so accurate. So I see Maud, and it's fascinating by, the, uh, by the, uh, your trailer, by the way. Thank you. And I'm, I would like to read your books. Are they really as specific and, and factual in terms of location? Because that's what fascinates me. Yes. Now, I did write Deadly Ambitions set in Washington, D.C., and I have never been there yet. I don't like to travel, so I probably never will be. But my grandson lives there and works for the government. And so I was on the phone with him every five minutes gathering information. And then when he read it, he said, everything in there is just like it is. So I was happy with that, except I had to kill a couple of people. But politicians these days. <laughs> yes, sir. I have a question about Amazon. You yes. seem to be very happy with them. I love Amazon. I have an author friend, Patricia Hickman, who's written a lot of books before Amazon was a thing. And she was let go because Amazon is a thing. And at first she didn't like it, but she likes it now. So she's joined you in that area. I'm asking, can you get your book anywhere else but Amazon? If you walk into a Barnes & Noble, they won't have it on the shelf, but they will bring it in for you. Uh, and any, well, actually, any, any bookstore will. Any, anything you ask for, if you're willing to wait, takes about two weeks, they will bring it in. Uh, they're very cooperative that way. And um, I did a lot of signings with Barnes & Noble when I first started because my, my first publisher, I, otherwise known as the rinky-dink house wasn't on their list of approved publishers but I didn't know that so I walked into my Sarasota Barnes and Noble and I said I'd like to do a book signing and the guy said okay so he went online and ordered a whole truckload of books and then when I came on the day I was supposed to do that he said boy I hope you sell these I didn't realize your, who your publisher was that he's not approved until after I ordered the books. And I said, don't worry about it. So he put me at a table by the front of the store, and, I, uh, and the books were stacked all over the place. And I sold books and sold books and sold books, and I'll tell you why. He said, don't, don't feel bad if you don't sell because nobody knows who you are. Uh, that's sometimes the way it is. But I used to be an Avon lady. <laughs> And if there's anything I can do, I can sell things. Um, I would, let's say you came in the front door, I would say. And people are naturally, what does she want? So they'd come over to the table. I would make my elevator speech. Anybody here know what an elevator speech is? Ah, some actors in the group. That's giving me one minute to do a sales pitch that will make you want to buy that book. And I honed it to perfection. Now, one of the reasons I don't like uh, working with um, that kind of a publisher, I'd sell a $30 book, and my cut was 8%. Barnes & Noble got 40 and the publisher got the rest. So when I publish with Amazon, they tell me how much the paper books will cost to print, and I set a price, and I set the price on the e-books, and if, if you go online, you'll notice my books are all quite low-priced, and there's a reason for that. And there's a reason I'm so 
thrilled to just finish my 27th book. Back in the middle of all this, I read in the paper where this man had 27 titles on Amazon. Competitive spirit took over me. And he sold them all for 99 cents on the e-books. And in the last year, he had made a quarter of a million dollars. And I thought, well, that I, I worked briefly. I worked a lot of places. I worked at Woolco. Anybody remember Woolco stores? Okay, I worked at a Woolco store. I helped set it up and worked there for four years and helped close it down when they went under. But F.W. Woolworth's motto was, pile it high, sell it cheap. So I took that as my motto until Maud hit. And then my daughter says to me, an author of your stature really needs to raise her price. <laughs> so we raised them to two ninety-five. And they're doing just fine. And I think that's a good place to be because I know myself, if I buy an ebook and I pay $12.95 and I don't like it, I feel like I've been cheated. But $2.95, what the hey? So we're sticking with that. So thank you all so much. And I appreciate your having me here today. Donna, thank you for coming and speaking to us today about your books. They sound very interesting. Donna, where are you? Oh, no. All right. We're a little too close. Somebody just hold that. There we go. Donna, you want to come over here, please? Over this way. Thank you for coming and speaking to us today. We're always interested to hear books about our wonderful city. So thank you so much. I'd like to present you with our Share What You Can Award, which means we're going to give a donation to the local USO in your name. Oh, thank you. Let me say something else. If you all remember the USO, if you've ever been to one of their shows, uh, one of my books is Kaylee McKenna. Starts out in Detroit at the end of the 20s, and she's a child prodigy. And to tell you the truth, it's Wes Winters because I took stories from his life. But she goes to Hollywood uh, to make films and works at Warner Brothers. And when the war breaks out, she joins the USO and travels all over the world. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. Okay, everyone, I'm going to announce the results of the election. And I do want to thank all of you that ran this time. Thank you so much for willingness to give your time and your energy to the board of directors. They're a very good support system for the presidents, and it was very, very close. And afterwards, those that I announced, plus the existing board, please meet in the inside of the bar for a two- to three-minute meeting, and then there'll be the regular board meeting right after. So the following people will be serving on the new board. Captain Kirk Holmes, Bill Houghton, Tony Kern, Stu Lipoff, who is not here today, and number five is Kim Neone. So everyone, in the words of a woman I most admire, and also, by the way, congratulations to all the winners. One more time. Thank you once. It's going to be a good, long two years.
In the words of woman I most admire, Amelia Earhart, no kind action ever stops with itself. One kind action leads to another. another. Let's leave today building connections, taking kind action, serving one another, and rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Remember the board meetings, meeting adjourned. We hope you enjoyed the latest podcast from the Las Vegas Rotary Club. For more information about future meetings, membership, and our local service projects, please visit lasvegasrotary.com. Now please go out, take action, and connect the world.